Hello, hello, hello. I'm Chris Lingle. We're in the storm shelter here at Donkey Fish Studios in awesome Austin, Texas, and you are now in the storm. On the funny side of things, I've been dealing with a bunch of crap since we last spent time together. Dogs in heat, neighbors moving and disrupting the ecosystem here at the fairways. The cedar is out here in Austin, and we all have cedar fever. Uh, And I've had an unusually hard time finding my allotment of Maine lobster. I'm not sure why. Um, uh, Busy few news weeks, too. In the midterms, the border, rampant crime, the crypto collapse, dirty drilling in Venezuela, protests in China, protests in Iran. My goodness, it just keeps getting better and better and better since they got the orange man out of office. The new guy in the White House, well, he's been silent on the protests in China and Iran. Uh, Biden, his ilk, they say the border's secure. Now, of course, they think they have some kind of mandate with the results of the midterms, I'm sure. They're just sailing down denial. They're taking all of us with them, and we're all, through this collective denial, going to sail into a storm the likes of which you have never seen, and we're going to die of thirst after we exhaust all the provisions. We have got to get that. Uh, we're going to get to all of that and more in the show. But first, uh, Brittany Griner, she's back in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, been in Russian prison for about 10 months now after she was convicted of drug smuggling for trying to buy her pot pen, uh, bring her pot pen into Russia. Uh of course, this was amid strained relations between Russia and the United States uh, over the, the war in Ukraine. Uh, Griner landed yesterday at Joint Base San Antonio, Fort Sam Houston, where she was whisked away to Brook Army Medical Center uh, for an evaluation for any medical treatment she may have needed. Um, her freedom was restored in a deal that exchanged her for Victor Boot, uh, the convicted Russian arms dealer. Uh, Paul Whelan, he remains in Russian prison as well as another U.S. citizen by the name of Mark Fogel. Now, Whelan, if you don't know, he's a former U.S. Marine. He was arrested in Moscow of December of 2018 by the FSB. This is, uh, well, the equivalent of today's FBI. Um, the guy was in Moscow for the wedding of a fellow Marine. He's being held in Lefortovo prison uh, on charges of espionage. He was arrested at his hotel in an apparent exchange of a thumb drive or something with a list of people, uh, so they accused him of spying. Our government has, of course, denied that he's a spy. The CIA has said that they would never leave this guy hanging out there on his own private passport. He would have been a protected. He wouldn't have been flapping in the breeze. He would have been a protected by a uh, diplomatic passport, um, as any knock would have been on assignment in a foreign country for the CIA or some spying agency here in this country. Uh, Vladimir Putin stated that Russia doesn't just arrest people and hold them simply to exchange them. Well, I, I don't know. It's kind of worked out pretty good for you, Vlad. Uh, another American citizen we know about in Russia, uh, like I said, is Mark Fogel. He's serving a 14-year sentence uh, after being arrested at Moscow Airport with a little bit of medical medical marijuana in his luggage. He reportedly used medical marijuana after some spinal surgery. Uh, Mr. Fogel was in Moscow to teach. Now, you might, might not be able to lump the ex-Marine um, accused of spying in exchange for a basketball player bringing her pot pin into, the, uh, into, the, into Russia. But 
Mr. Fogel's case certainly seems to be a little similar, and I would have thought y'all might would have been able to get him out. Um, it sounds very similar to Miss Griner's tale of woe. Um, should have been able to get the spy out too, but if he's really a spy. Well, we traded the merchant of death. Um, Victor Boot, he's been accused of supplying arms to Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, rebels in Rwanda. They made a movie based on this guy. Nick Cage played the part. Uh, Mr. Boot is not one of the good guys. Convicted on charges of including uh, conspiring to kill American citizens. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison. It seems like he tried to sell some anti-aircraft weapons to some folks uh, in the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. Well, it turns out they weren't folks in the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. Uh, they were in the DEA. Now he's free, the merchant of death for a basketball player. I suppose that's equity and inclusion for you. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Miss Griner should have spent 14 years in a Russian prison for a pot pen. Hopefully, she's learned a valuable lesson about the freedom she enjoys here in her home, and perhaps she's found a way to, to find some good things about the home that she enjoys. I hope she found a way to kiss the tarmac when she landed in San Antonio, and thank God she was back in America. But I do think if the government's going to get involved in these sort of things, they should have been looking at more folks than just her. I'm sure some of y'all think we shouldn't have done a thing. And there's truth in that statement, too. She broke the law in a foreign country. She should suffer the consequences. But 14 years for a pot pen is a little bit ridiculous. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about the election for a little bit. Um, Republicans take the House and a runoff in Georgia has determined that Democrats now control the Senate 51 to 49. I had to modify the script because I thought it would take till next Thursday to figure out who won that election. Uh, um, wow. So 2022 looks a lot like 2020. Seems we have a new playbook. It's no longer election day. It's election week or election week and a half or election month. We've gone down some rabbit hole where a few states just can't seem to get votes counted in a timely fashion. I'm taken back to the heady days of the Florida election in 2000, or the election in 2000 down in Florida, when Bush sent people to Florida and Gore sent people to Florida, all to make sure that not a single Chad hit the floor without being observed by 16 people on each side of the aisle. The nation had to deal with the hanging Chad. They had to deal with the dimpled Chad and the missing Chad. There was Chad Stew. They was Chad Curry. They was Chad Creole. They was Chad Po'boy, Chad with grits, Chad Cocktail, Chad, Chad, Chad. I actually felt sorry for my friend, Chad. It was a god-awful mess, just like 2020, just like 2022. But Florida, they got their act together. Florida fixed their problem, and Florida was able to get election, election results out before we all went to bed on Tuesday night. Just like it used to be, just like it always has been, up until recently. And look at the results in Florida. No split tickets there. Pretty much a clean sweep for the Republicans in the Sunshine State. Meanwhile, back at the ranch in Arizona, Nevada, New York, Pennsylvania, and California, they counted for over a week. Republicans watched just like they did in 2020 
while solid leads in several races across the country just evaporated. They counted and they counted and they counted some more. They counted on the East Coast. They counted on the West Coast. They counted on the prairies. They counted in the desert. And they counted again. And they counted again. And if they got tired, they slept. If they got hungry, they ate. And if they had to stop and, well, go, you know, well, they stopped. And then they counted some more. Yes, apparently there is a new playbook for elections. Just keep extending the overtime until you get the score you want. I don't know who said it, but it's true. Once people figure out that they can vote people into office who will shower them with handouts, handouts that are taken from other people, by the way, the republic is doomed. And when your open border policies welcome countless new enrollees for government assistance, the seemingly endless expanding pool of new Democrat voters steams across, streams across the border to make sure the cycle is perpetuated. Why do you think they're leaving the border open? It ain't out of the goodness of their hearts, I can assure you that. They don't give a damn about these migrants. And if you add those new voters, those new Democrat voters streaming across the border to the folks on the terrorist watch list that are getting in and enough fentanyl to kill us all 500 times over, you have the most dangerous situation the country has encountered since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Democrats probably don't even really need these invaders anyway. There are plenty of weapons in the liberal arsenal to destroy freedom and usher in their new world order. The media is in lockstep with the Democratic Party, and the media should be classified as their nuclear arsenal. For every Fox News, and there ain't many, there's ABC, there's NBC, there's CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Al Jazeera, ESPN, Facebook, YouTube, Apple, Bank of America, Starbucks, Brookdale Elementary School, and a partridge in a fucking pear tree. Late night comedy is no longer comedy, but rather an extension of party. They promote the liberal agenda with no shame, no accountability, and very little truth. Anyone who dares to speak anything counter to the narrative, cancel culture, rears its ugly 18 heads, and the hydra devours the naysayer, the truth seeker. Well, those 18 heads are exploding now as Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter signals the end of the protection liberal progressives have enjoyed since the platform's launch. Liberals, with the exception of the free bird now, own social media. They own the telecommunications industry. And the telecommunications, the, the, the telecommunications industry is a staunch supporter of the Chinese Communist Party, whether you realize it or not. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. The next arrow in the quiver of liberalism and the DNC is our education system. Academia is a joke. Liberal progressives are winning our children over with a barrage of liberal ideology that starts in preschool. Universities have become nothing more than indoctrination camps where dissenting opinions are squashed before they even make it on campus. Our nation's once premier medical research industry and the healthcare industry itself have been hijacked by big pharma and big tech, and none of them, none of them 
are trustworthy anymore. Don't take my word for it. Ask Robert Kennedy. Ask Dr. Joseph Merkula. Ask Dr. Robert Malone. Ask Dr. Peter McCullough. These guys have all spoken out. They've all know what time it is. They've all paid a personal and professional price for their vehement opposition to the Fauci plan. Maybe one day Oliver Stone will make a movie about all this shit. Uh, If you've been following this show, you already know about all this shit. We're still going to get back to Kennedy's book, too, later on in, in, in some future episodes. Keep paying attention. Stay in the storm, please. If you've been paying attention at all, you know there's a huge problem at the southern border. And you know it's a problem Democrats created on purpose. It gives them voters. It gives them distraction. It gives them a money pit. If they're doing construction on a wall, it's because they're getting a kickback. I think one of them, one of them owns a container company. Border agents are no longer enforcing immigration law. They're no longer securing the border. They're too busy processing the endless stream of illegal aliens coming across the border. After all, isn't that the point? These future Democrat voters coming across the border, all the Border Patrol's doing is processing them in. Who are you going to vote for as an invader? Are you going to vote for the mean Republicans that want to build a wall? Hmm. You going to vote for the mean Republicans that want you to come in the front door rather than around the side into the back door or tunneling in? No, you're going to vote for the guys giving you a monthly stipend. You're going to vote for the guys giving you housing. That's who you're going to vote for. You're going to vote for the guys that set you up with better accommodation than any homeless vet in this country ever sees, complete with laundry service. Now we're pulling air marshals out of the sky to augment the Border Patrol. Staggers the imagination. You hung out a neon sign that said, come, take advantage of the American taxpayer. And they came, and they came, and they came. Now we're pulling air marshals from flights to augment Border Patrol. Yet another resource disrupted by the endless flow of invaders at the southern border and the morons that keep it open. Any moron should know that the country cannot sustain this level of invasion. Uh, Yeah, I use that term intentionally, the term invasion. Uh, With these numbers, it's not immigration. It's not immigration at all. Make no mistake about it. We need immigrants. We want a healthy immigration system into this country. We don't need invaders. Numbers we're seeing at the southern border, this is no less of an invasion than if Chinese LSTs were rolling up on shore at La Jolla and Malibu and Pacific City Beach and making their way to the Rocky Mountains. Except these invaders are bussed and flown into the interior and all over both coasts, anywhere but Martha's Vineyard. Those folks had to leave immediately. What's coming across the southern border with this invasion of these people? One encounter yielded a bus with three pounds of fentanyl and 20 pounds of cocaine. Another seizure included 17 pounds of purple fentanyl powder and 2 million fentanyl pills. Fentanyl coming across the border has increased 400% in the two years 
since the big guy took office. Is he just allowing Hunter to stock up so he can come down easily from his crack high? Who knows? Three billion doses, three billion with a B, came across in fiscal 22. 2,000 pounds a ton came across in the first month of fiscal 23. That's enough to kill more than a half a million people, and it sounds like a conservative estimate for a ton of fentanyl. 440,000 fentanyl pills seized in Nogales day before yesterday alone, and each one of those has the ability to kill. 95% of the illicit fentanyl in this country comes across the southern border. It does beg the question as to why Democrats would leave the southern border so wide-ass open. The cartels aren't the only ones making money off all this fentanyl. We haven't even touched on the human trafficking at the border. Maybe next episode, but maybe we need to find out who's making money over here. Overdoses in this country hovered in the 60,000 a year range down around 2016, 2017. Excuse me. About 12,000 of those were overdoses attributed to opioids alone. I'm not talking about fentanyl. I'm talking about opioids alone. Uh, Somebody who crunched up a pill and snorted it, whatever they did. The rest of those 60,000, some 48,000, were attributed. They're probably substance abusers. Now, there were over 100,000 deaths attributed solely to fentanyl in fiscal year 2022. That's almost a tenfold increase. There's not that much data available on illicit fentanyl because it's kind of a new thing. Seeing the overdoses at this this level is really a new thing. There's always been heroin, but heroin had a distinct market, a a kind of a niche, if you will. This fentanyl is killing so many people because it's marketed to the casual user or the chronic pain sufferer. And these people don't know what they're getting. It's a disaster. All that fentanyl is bought into the southern border, bought into the country across the southern border by people. Lots of them. Title 42 is going to expire. Finally, some Democrats are asking, what's the plan? Well, Chuck Schumer's plan is immunity for about 11 million immigrants. He says we should welcome immigrants. We should embrace them. I live in Texas, Chuck. We've been walking them. We've been embracing them for a long time since before I got here. Uh, All of us Texans love immigrants. Of course, in 2009, old Chuckles himself said that illegal immigration was just plain wrong. Crossings in the El Paso sector are up 250%. Just the other day, Border Patrol agents Uh, in El Paso sector, saw 2,000 migrants cross illegally in one single day. Yesterday, day before yesterday, actually, a Border Patrol agent lost his life while trying to apprehend uh, an invader. The administration's immediate fix, their Band-Aid, as I said before, pull air marshals out of the sky. Hmm. Send those air marshals to the border. Don't send the National Guard. Don't hire more Border Patrol agents. Pull air marshals out of the sky. That's like sending a proctologist to do brain surgery. Strong work. Say goodbye to the friendly skies. Why wouldn't you send the National Guard? Why wouldn't you hire more Border Patrol agents? 
Well, that would indicate it would send the message that the situation down at the border is as fucked as it actually is. Just pull some air marshals down there. Don't send the National Guard. Don't hire more border agents. Hell, you could send 87,000 IRS agents down there to help, but not our air marshals. They can only cover about one in every thousand flights now. Mm. Honey Badger don't give a shit. That's Biden. Honey Badger. He don't give a shit. He don't care. The solution, his solution to border security is to make our security in the skies as lousy as the security at the border. Bravo. Well done. Strong work. Honey Badger. Secretary Mayorkas needs to be impeached. And hopefully Jim Jordan will make that happen. He and McCarthy seem to be on fire. Um, uh, I hope they can uh, uh, figure out how badly our nation's CEO has been compromised by China. Because he has. If you don't believe it, just look some shit up. I'm not holding my breath for any of that. These people don't know trouble. They're in the club. Nothing sticks to these people. They all got Teflon. It doesn't matter. They're in the club. They can steal. They can cheat. They can commit crimes against the Constitution. Even treason. And it's just going to be okay. Crime. Speaking of crime, it's on everyone's mind. It's abhorrent. Well, you can't talk about crime without talking about Minnie Madoff. This guy is certainly in the club. What's his name anyway? Sam Bankman Freed? Uh, he stole $2 billion. Yes, with a B. $26 billion with a B. It's just gone. Evaporated. Don't know where it went. And SBF is in the Bahamas, talking to the New York Times just as cool as, a, cool as a cucumber. He says, hey, I screwed up. I had a bad day. I just had a bad month. I didn't even know I was stealing. Hmm. Now he's being live streamed into some deal book summit as the New York Times, uh, and he's back out to an internet. He's been provided a platform to an international audience of movers and shakers. Andrew Ross Sorkin hosted this event. Guests included Zelensky. Somehow he was able to take time off from the war in Ukraine and um, grace us all with his wisdom and presence. He did not, Zelensky, enlighten us as to just where the $38 billion we sent him in November went or where the total of $106 billion since the war began has gone. He didn't enlighten us as to just where any of that money's gone, but I guess that's another segment for another show, and it will include why the House of Representatives declined to pass a bill to find out where just where all that money went. Another guest at this lavish uh, international think tank event was Janet Yellen. Uh, that's Biden's current Secretary of Treasury. So Bankman Freed pleads his case on an international platform provided to him by the New York Times, uh, attended by the sitting Secretary of the Treasury, appointed by a president whose campaign coffers were probably fattened substantially by SBF and FDX. Nothing fishy there. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Um, the guy lost $26 billion, and he stole $2 billion for himself. It would seem they applauded him for it. Um, he's stolen billions in a Ponzi scheme, the likes of which the world has never seen since the Social Security Act was passed in 1935. He'll walk scot-free. He's protected. He's in the club. After all, he contributed heavily to the Democratic candidates in 2022 midterms 
and he'll be taken care of. Hell, the Treasury Secretary was applauding this guy. He stole $26 billion. Life is so much easier on the left. Dems will let this guy off because he's one of them. They don't even look at what he's done as a crime. They think thought crimes are horrific, but stealing billions is okay. Hmm. Laundering money is fine. Sucker punching someone is fine. It's crazy. I guess we'll just have to see. While Sam Bankman Freed, SBF, sits in his luxury penthouse in the Bahamas, I love the fact that they use all three of his names, too. It's kind of like a serial killer or an assassin. Uh, anyway, his girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, she was seen in New York City over last weekend, um, and uh, she was in fairly close proximity to the FBI and the Office of the U.S. Attorney. Hmm, maybe she is making a deal. Now, I'm not exactly sure what happened. I'm not even exactly sure how much money was taken by him or the companies that he that he was representing or anything else. I'm not sure the mainstream media knows much more than me. Uh, I'm not sure the feds know much more. But there's a bank involved called Silvergate Bank. This is a federally insured bank. It's supposedly on the up and up. These guys are supposed to check out things that they find suspicious. The CEO of Silvergate says they checked all of these highly suspicious wire transfers of huge billions of dollars at a time to another company. Um, uh, apparently, um, Alameda Research was the other company, but apparently uh, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was taking money that investors had invested in FDX, and, and he, without their knowledge or consent, was taking that money and investing it in Alameda Research, a company that has now gone belly up and has started all of this landslide. I'm sure the government is going to be asking for those suspicious, suspicious activity reports. Those are called SARS. Um, I'm sure they're going to ask for those from Silvergate, or, or are they? I don't know. Will we ever see them? While many made off, while he languishes in the Bahamas in his luxury penthouse, the people of this country are fighting off a lot more than financial criminals. They're fighting off real criminals that soft-on-crime prosecutors have put right back on the street. It's no secret the left props up these soft-on-crime prosecutors. They've been doing it for years. George Soros has spent $32 billion propping up his kind of prosecutor. The idea that we need to choose between justice and safety is false. Those are George Soros' words. They're not mine. Uh, of course, it goes right along with BLM and Antifa and liberals in general when they say it's criminals who are the true victims among us. George Soros gave a lot of money to DAs in November. One of them was Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. This guy has a stellar track record. Over his tenure, he's managed to downgrade 52% of felony charges in Manhattan courts to misdemeanor charges. Jackie Sartoros in Maine was blessed with $300,000 in Soros money. Kimberly Graham of Iowa, Joe Gonzalez in San Antonio, John Cruzou in Dallas, or Cruzo, I'm sorry, uh, all recipients of campaign contributions by George Soros. Larry Krasner in Philly, he's a huge beneficiary of Soros money. He's now being impeached. Soros says he spends money 
to promote justice and equality. Let me tell you about Soros's vision of equality. His vision of equality is lawlessness. His vision of equality is thugs and murderers walking among the rest of us with no consequences for their behavior. Of course, Georgie Boy, well, he lives in a 19-room mansion on a sprawling 63-acre estate that he bought for $22 million from Michael Crichton. That's the guy that wrote Jurassic Park. Um, it probably has a bunker that can withstand a T-Rex attack. Uh, I'm sure Mr. Soros has a top-notch security force. So while I would like to say that Soros don't know nothing about thugs and murderers as he looks down on us from his lofty perch in Bedford Hills, but with his history in World War II, I think he knows plenty about thugs and murderers. Since 2019, in Lori Lightfoot's safe zone called Chicago, murder is up 35%. Robbery is up 11%. Now, those numbers weren't good before 2019. So, they're much worse now. Five major companies have left Chicago. Boeing, Citadel, Caterpillar, McDonald's, for fuck's sake. You can't even get a Big Mac in the Windy City now. Of course, Chicago has about a 50% clearance rate for homicides, and only 50% of those lead to charges being bought by DAs funded by Soros. 85% of shootings in Chicago go unsolved. Yes, Lori Lightfoot has created one fine, safe sanctuary of a city for all the fine citizens of Chicago. It's windy, all right. Apparently, the wind blows bullets. If she's trying to lower the carbon footprint, I guess she's trying to do it by eliminating people. I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, I am sure, and you are too. Speaking of a carbon footprint, though, it looks like Chevron, Chevron is going to be drilling in Venezuela. Thanks to Joe, the big guy, he's lifting sanctions on Nicolas Maduro and his abhorrent socialist terror regime in Venezuela just to allow Chevron the right to drill there. That's got to be better than drilling here, right? Got to be better for the environment. Got to be better. Drilling here or bringing shale down from Canada on the Keystone Pipeline, it's got to be better than that, right? Eh, wrong answer, but thanks for playing along anyway. What do we have for our contestants, Johnny? Well, Venezuelan oil is dirty. The way they used to extract it from the ground is dirty. They can't refine the crude in Venezuela, so we're going to put it on a tanker, ship it across the ocean here, or we're going to put it in rail cars and move it across Central America and Mexico. Whatever it takes not to drill here and not to finish the Keystone Pipeline. Now, Karine Jean-Pierre and the Biden administration will tell you that the 9,000 or so leases available to the mean, greedy oil companies to drill here, uh, on, uh, they, they, they just don't drill on them so they can keep these margins high. They're just not drilling so they can create this artificial shortage. Well, let's talk about these leases. They're just that. They're leases. They're not permits. They're leases. Now, just imagine you're an oil guy. You want to invest in a lease to try to get a permit. Hmm, back on November 6th, 
the big guy, Biden, told us all, no more drilling. It was almost like Bush in 89 or whatever he said it. Read my lips, no new taxes. Well, that was Biden. No more drilling. I just said it. That's the way it's going to be. Um, who's going to invest in that? How do you think that works? Why would an oil company invest in the permitting process when the POTUS has declared no more drilling on U.S. soil, period, dot, end of story. How do you think that works? Well, those 9,000 leases are actually what's left over from about 50,000 leases that we started with before Biden took office. They canceled 37,000 leases and left just over about 9,000 that Texaco and Sunoco can barely get to on a Land Rover, let alone drill on. And what happens in the off chance that old Sleepy Joe approves a permit for one of these leases? Hmm, why isn't Keystone finished yet? Environmentalists will step in after they find some speckle-winged dragonfly they have placed on the endangered species list that's being carelessly slaughtered due to the magnetic resonance created by the drilling platform or some other bit of minutia they make up about a speckled wing dragonfly it, it will shut the operation down just like it shut down the keystone pipeline on several occasions that's why the damn thing hadn't been completed yet oil companies are not going to invest billions of dollars in the climate the president has created biden has gone hat in hand to the saudis to try to get them to give him more oil they laughed in that tired old man's face can't get any oil from Russia now either, so whatever it takes to not drill or finish the Keystone Pipeline. What happens when you reduce regulations on oil companies? Well, gosh, let's look at that for a second. What happens when you open up approachable leases and issue permits to drill on those leases? What happens when you start to finish the Keystone Pipeline and bring more shale down from Canada? What happens? It's not a fucking mystery. It's been done before. It's been done under the Trump administration. I'll tell you what happens when you drill, baby, drill. You get $1.50 gallon gasoline. Um, it's extracted. It's refined to exacting, stringent standards as clean as anyone in the world can do it. And you get groceries and goods that are 30% cheaper than what you're paying now. You get drilling jobs, you get pipeline jobs, you get jobs in retail, you get cheap gas, inexpensive goods, and you get jobs. It's not a fucking mystery. We're not, we were all enjoying this shit in 2020 before they unleashed this pestilence upon us to get rid of the bad orange man. Well, the mission accomplished. How's that working out for you? It ain't working out for, too well for me. I take a calculator to the fucking grocery store now. And now that we don't have enough light, sweet, crude to make gasoline out of, we're looking at a possible rail strike. Another can that got kicked down the curb until after the midterms. And what a can it is. A $2 billion a day projected loss if a strike is not averted. No rail, no chlorine. No chlorine, no clean water. No rail, no coal, no coal, no heat for the winter, and no one's charging their electric car. No rail, no Christmas. Dems 
are stepping all over their longtime confidence, the rail unions. Uh, Biden, Mr. Union, is punting the ball and calling on Congress to pass legislature and end the strike. Forget collective bargaining. Forget the unions. Forget the two years that these guys have been negotiating. They're basically taking a big old dump on the rail union's desk. Hmm. No taking advantage of tight labor markets for these folks. Uh, get some better pay, some better perks. There are 12, 12 unions involved in this dispute. And the Democrats and Joe, Mr. Union Biden, just forsaked every last one of them. The House voted Wednesday. 290 to 137, 79 Republicans joined in with 211 Democrats to pass the legislation, which approves new contracts providing railroad workers with 24%, 24% pay increases. It's over the next five years from 2020 through 2024. Now, they all get a little immediate pay out of $11,000 or so. That's the average across the board. Upon ratification, they get an extra paid day off. Now, a subsequent bill, uh, because they were all arguing over sick pay, a subsequent bill included seven days of, of uh, paid sick leave. Uh, and I think they passed it. That's, that's what they wound up doing. Um, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I'm, I think I should ask Congress to negotiate for health care workers. Uh, moving on to everyone's favorite player, on the world stage, home of the Wuhan Virology Institute, China. China's building up its nuclear arsenal faster than Idaho preppers can stock their bomb shelters with freeze-dried food, sanka, and bullets. Uh, China's gone from 200 active warheads to 400 since the big guy took office. At this pace, if, they're constr- if, they're, if their production continues at these estimates... China will have 1,100 active warheads by 2035. Meanwhile, China's being rocked with protests. Chinese citizens, tired of the draconian lockdowns over COVID-19, they've had enough. This is a watershed moment, truly a watershed moment in history. Not American history, in world history. Too bad the big guy won't even recognize the protests. The Chinese citizens are standing up. They're not backing down under threats to their freedom, their families, and their very lives. Takes me back to the June 4th incident in Tiananmen Square when a man blocked the path of a Chinese tank in protests over human rights in 1989. Nothing was done about that either in the CCD. The Chinese Communist Party deployed 300,000 troops to Beijing, stormed the city, Killed protesters, bystanders, anyone who got in their way. The president just can't comment on the protesters without tainting the demonstrators. And he really doesn't seem too concerned with the nuclear buildup either. Did you expect a different response? (laughs) Really? Crackhead and the big guy. They did a whirlwind tour of the People's Republic of China, and the crackhead even secured a no-show job for about $90,000 a month or so while he was over there giving the CCP video of him snorting cocaine from the backsides of underage prostitutes. But I digress. 
These Chinese citizens are watching the World Cup. They're seeing all these people in football stadiums with no masks on, and they've decided they've had enough. Apple. Tim Cook. In a show of solidarity with the Chinese Communist Party, has turned off his airdrop app uh, for the good people of China. Uh, We'll get to that soon. As the people of China get pissed off watching the World Cup, the people of Iran are staging a little uprising of their own. The Iranian players, the ones defeated by the USA just last week, I might add, those brave souls refused to sing along to the Iranian national anthem in their first game at the World Cup. Well, they were in solidarity with their protesters and their families back in Iran. And let me tell you what happens in a country that's truly oppressed. These players were threatened. Their families were threatened by their government um, with bodily harm, death, or imprisonment. That's what happens in a country that oppresses the people that live in it. They were threatened by their government if the team misbehaved again. In other words, you better sing, and you can guarantee that these players sung for their supper like convicts on a chain gang the next game. 450 dead in Iran when last I looked. They're using armored vehicles in the streets in the city to quell the uprising. Uh, Not a peep from the White House. Not a peep about China. Not a peep about Iran. Does this administration support freedom? Does this administration not abhor the iron-fisted tactics being utilized by China and Iran to squelch the hope of freedom. Alyssa Milano is making a difference, though. Wow. In her protest to Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter, she sold her Tesla and she bought an electric, wait for it, Volkswagen, the people's car. She, of course, knows nothing of oppression, and I doubt if she even knows anyone personally who has truly been oppressed. But I wish somebody would give her history lessons on the origins of Volkswagen and the terror and tyranny of the Nazi party. Hmm. Speaking of Twitter, since Musk bought it, the White House is keeping a close eye on Twitter. Hmm. They seem to suddenly be quite concerned about Twitter becoming a source of disinformation. (laughs) It's almost comical if it wasn't so dangerous. Forget the fact that Twitter quashed any mention of the crackhead's laptop a month before the general election of 2020. Now the big guy's concerned about disinformation. Liberals are the disinformation kings. Hell, it's not even disinformation. They just lie right to your face. You scared of Musk and what he might do at Twitter? You would do well to be terrified of a government that will be keeping an eye on a private business because they want to squash dissenting opinions. You would do well to be petrified of a media in a telecommunications industry that is owned by the Democratic Party and will obliterate anyone that toes any other line other than the party line. You would do well to be stupefied by an education system hijacked by one party, the Democratic Party, and utilized to indoctrinate the impressionable, young, intelligent minds of our youth with this cesspool of critical race theory and this equity and inclusion bullshit. 
I myself am mystified at Tim Cook, Apple CEO, in his response to the fine, very oppressed people of China and their choice to stand up for freedom. Does he help them? No. He turns off his airdrop app. These protesters were using that app to meet up, figure out where they're going to meet, figure out where they're going to protest. Why would Mr. Cook want to deprive freedom fighters access to this wonderful app? This is the same guy that told Jim Comey, there's no way I'm ever giving you or the FBI a backdoor to the iPhone. Super individual protect, protect criminals over here and aids the oppressors in China. Well, maybe it's because one-fifth of all iPhone sales are in China. 20% of all iPhone sales in China. You guessed it, China. <laughs> Who do you think Cook's beholden to? Of course, Tim Cook, he openly praises China's humanitarian efforts, and he says that China has pulled so many people from poverty, their methods should be celebrated. Yeah, I'm celebrating them every day over here, Timbo. And while the administration could care less about... Wait. <laughs> mm. While the administration could care less about border security, could care less about the slaughter of protesters in Iran and China, could care less about rampant crime and inflation, the administration is keeping its eye on Twitter. Big Brother is keeping its eye on Twitter. Democrats are all of a sudden concerned that Twitter will become a breeding ground for disinformation. Oh, my God. Anti-Semitism, sexism, hate, racism. There are hateful Twitter accounts that are harmful to society and they need to be removed for crying out loud. That's what they say. As if none of these things were on Twitter before Musk bought it. As if social media uh, didn't have all of this stuff going on before Musk bought it. That was a good catch. I know you think it was. Uh, anyway, um, liberal progressives are the kings of disinformation. They've been so for quite some time. Twitter interfered in an election. They suppressed the laptop in October, and they blamed it all on Russian collusion. It's not just Twitter. Remember when 51 intelligence officials, including Jim Clapper, said the Hunter Biden laptop had the earmarks of Russian disinformation. The Department of Homeland Security is the head of the federally directed censorship snake. The FBI, other security forces, that's what I call them. We might as well call them that now. Security forces like the KGB and the FSB and the GRU. Anyway, these agencies, through surveillance and other methods, constitute the body of the snake, and the DNC makes sure the venom gets delivered to the appropriate victim. We are finding out, as Musk frees the bird by releasing internal emails, correspondence at Twitter, that collusion between the FBI, the Democratic Party, and the fine folks at Twitter to censor any coverage of the laptop from hell seemed to be the plan of the day at Twitter back in October of 2020. Let's just use the same old tired line we used when Trump won the election in 2016, Russian collusion. 
I'm not sure that one's going to work for you too much longer. Looks like the crackhead and the big guy might have some splaining to do. Um, we'll see. These are the same people who want to create the Disinformation Governance Board. By the way, Nina Mary Poppins Jankowitz has now registered as a foreign agent. She now works for the Center, spelled C-E-N-T-R-E because it's British, for information resilience in the United Kingdom. It would be laughable if it weren't terrifying. Um, the left does not want dissenting opinion, period, here or abroad. They sent this woman over there. They couldn't get her a job over here, so they, they turfed her to the British. They'd take Fox News off the air if they could. Musk has certainly poked a nerve with his takeover of Twitter. Uh, he's demonstrated just how in control of the media the liberal progressives are and how terrified they are to lose that control and lose that protection. The DOJ, through its politicization, is a joke. It's worthless. These Chinese protests are over COVID lockdowns. Several people perished in a fire in an apartment building because they were barricaded inside. Can you imagine? So let's talk about exactly how things work in China with COVID. You got your iPhone in China. You're classified into three groups in China um, according to a light that appears on your iPhone. Um, green, yellow, or red. Green, you can go anywhere. Yellow, you're restricted somewhat. Red, you can't even leave the house. Uh, so you got your iPhone. Same iPhone Tim Cook told Jim Comey, FBI director, and all-around scumbag that he would not provide the FBI with the back door to that iPhone, and you're walking around Beijing with it. Your green light's on. All of a sudden, it turns red. Hmm. What could have happened? Now, you're all of a sudden not even supposed to be on the street. Well, I guess you shouldn't have gone to that protest last night because the government is tracking all the iPhones. They're tracking your location. They know when you went to a protest, and they will red light your ass in a heartbeat. Does this not sound familiar? Sounds familiar to me from what was going on over here during COVID. But Elon Musk is a tyrant, right? Musk wants free speech. Musk wants open debate. Libs' heads are exploding while the protection their one-sided narrative has enjoyed over at the bird while it disintegrates. Liz Warren said, and I quote, one human being should not decide how millions of people communicate with one another. Well, maybe Pocahontas should have a conversation with Tim Cook over at Apple, shutting down apps that Chinese protesters were using to assert their basic human rights. Uh, why are you guys against freedom? Why are you against those who seek it? I do not understand it. Dems suggest that Musk is beholden to China because the CCP controls about 85% of the lithium on the planet. Now, that's lithium he needs to make electric trucks. Musk is beholden to China. How about crackhead? How about the big guy? No show jobs. God only knows what else for, uh, for them, their family, their friends, not to mention any incriminating evidence the CCP has on the big guy or his son. Hmm. Who are the president of the United States and his son beholden to? How about Tim Cook over at Apple? Who's he beholden to? Owes 20% of his sales to the People's Republic of China. Who's he beholden to? 
Hmm. It would certainly appear that Tim Cook, the president, and his son are beholden to the People's Republic of China. Is Biden compromised? Well, let's hope maybe Jim Jordan and the House of Representatives can find out. Maybe they'll launch an investigation. Maybe they won't. Probably they won't because the country couldn't handle it. The country can handle it, kids. Prosecute these people. Start doing the right thing. Start refer- restoring our faith in government. And, and, and maybe, just maybe, as I said earlier, we can get back to fair winds and following seas. Uh, last episode, I talked about the influx of um, opioids, uh, of fentanyl across the southern border. I touched a little on how this impacts the chronic pain sufferer, the casual user, even the addict. Over 100,000 overdoses attributable solely to illicit fentanyl in the last year. That's a dramatic increase. We talked about it earlier in the show. Uh, I can speak to chronic pain because I suffer from it. I've been in a fluoroscopy imaging suite for over 30 years. I've been wearing a lead apron. I work in a cardiac cath lab. When I started, these aprons weighed about 25 pounds. They weigh about seven or eight now. They've gotten a lot lighter. Uh, Anyway, it's a physical job. It involves moving patients, equipment, bending over, bending down in a a 25 or 30-pound lead apron. Along with this job, unfortunately, I also got the same connective tissue as my father. Lousy. It's a degenerative joint disorder. I got seven herniated discs, a compression fracture in my T-spine, and a spinal stenosis in my, T- in my C-spine. Uh, it's a mess in there. Uh, it causes a myriad of symptoms all over the place. I got demons running all through my body. Um, I'm not going to get into my med regimen except to say it was low dose. After a few years of peaks and valleys, we found a workable solution with a time-release opioid and a little light dose of benzodiazepine uh, to reduce the spasm. My regimen, I would find out later on from a so-called pain management specialist, uh, was called the Phoenix Cocktail. Hmm. The Phoenix Cocktail, you might ask. What do you mean, the Phoenix Cocktail? Imagine my surprise. The Phoenix Cocktail. Ah. Something you would shoot up, right? That's what it sounds like to me. Oh, my God. Sounds like something a drug addict would take. The Phoenix Cocktail. Well, I went on a cruise about two days after I started this Phoenix Cocktail, and it was miraculous. I took rarely took an elevator on the ship. I was up and down staircases. I was walking that ship all day, all night. I had no problems. We took excursions with walking involved. I had no problems. It was wonderful. I was virtually pain-free. I finally felt like I'd gotten my life back. Well, then the government just decided no one needed these drugs except for maybe cancer patients and surgery patients. The government decided, not my doctor, not me, the government. The government put their jackboot on the necks of chronic pain sufferers in this country. Um, They denied any access to opioids almost in any Circumstances. They since expanded that to benzodiazepines, barbiturates, any type of pain med other than an NSAID, basically an aspirin. They wave their hand and you can't get them anymore. 
That was over six years ago. I haven't had any meds for six years. So I'm obviously not some kind of addict. For two years before the six years started, I had to jump through hoops then just to get them. So I'd go for spots when I didn't have them. Obviously not an addict. This is ridiculous. I've got 30 years in the healthcare industry wearing a lead apron with documented multiple herniated discs, multiple musculoskeletal defects, and I'm told to take in a leave and call me in the morning. I wish an a leave would work. I really do. I really wish it would work, but I don't have a headache. I'm not sore from working in the yard. It would be nice to do that again, but I'm not. So I'm not sore from working in the yard. Chronic pain sufferers are not addicts. They're just in pain. Some of us are just trying to finish up our careers strong. Meanwhile, let's talk about antidepressants. Let's talk about antipsychotic meds. In 1986, there were a half a billion prescriptions written for these drugs. Last year, there were 15 billion prescriptions written. One in four Americans, 25% of Americans are on some form of antidepressant or antipsychotic medication. We are more medicated and we are more depressed. Depression among teens is up 70%. Teen suicide's up too. Life causes anxiety, people. The world is an unfair place. We're all anxious to some degree, and medication will not help most of us because it's not going to help you if you can't remove you can't remove the anxiety without removing the cause of the anxiety. You can't you got to remove what triggers the anxiety. Most of us can't do that. What's triggering the anxiety? School, homework, competition, relationships, athletics, money, children, your safety, traffic, work, travel. My God, the list is endless. All these things and hundreds of other things you do to make those things all work trigger anxiety. And sometimes we get depressed. Life causes anxiety. We are medicating people, many of them children, with powerful psychiatric medication for the stress of everyday life. After all, if you can get them early and let them know there's just no way they can face the big bad world without Big Pharma's wonderful chemistry, you have customers for life. Listen, these meds are great. They were meant to break a cycle. They were meant to help someone through a rough patch. You can't medicate your way to happiness any any, any more than you can legislate your way to morality. There's no panacea here. Life's tough. It's tougher if you're stupid. It's real tough if you live in some psychotropic-induced fantasy land where you're not upset as your world collapses around you. And it's even tougher on those around you, your friends, your coworkers, your family. Big Pharma wants more prescriptions, more chemistry, no talk of diet, no talk of lifestyle changes, no talk of exercise, no talk of counseling, education, no talk of taking control of your life and conquering your fears. Just take another pill, just not one that actually stops pain. So, 
What's all this doing to the chronic pain sufferer? Well, 100,000 overdoses on illicit fentanyl should be an eye-opener. The chronic pain sufferer may not turn to the street. They may turn to the street and wind up with this poison. They think it's Norco. They think it's Lortab. They, you know, they don't know what it is, but they, they went to the street and they said, hey, I need a Norco. Some guy gave them fentanyl, and they take a fentanyl, and they die. They overdose on fentanyl because they thought they were taking a Norco. The casual user can fall into the same scenario. The chronic pain sufferer may decide to self-medicate with alcohol. Hmm. That's got to be better than two pills a day, right? In this producer's not-so-humble opinion, the government, the pharmaceutical industry, and the healthcare industry all have blood on their hands. Their solution to the problem of some people abusing these drugs was just to deny the drugs to everyone. Look, restrictions on opiates have got to be lifted enough to give the chronic pain sufferer a solution to their problem. Telling the patient to take some ibuprofen or a leave and sending him out the door is almost criminal. These pain meds, when taken as directed, they're safe, they're effective. Yes, they're highly addictive. So is chocolate cake. But you can have all that you want. After all, let's look at the boom this provides for big pharma. Heart medication, diabetes medication, medication to lose weight, and of course, weight problems cause, you guessed it, depression. And the cycle repeats itself. But the current solution is killing chronic pain sufferers and casual users. So, got through the news portion of the show. It's time to do some funny stuff. Um, so, I got to talk about my dogs. I got three dogs, two labs. They're both siblings, about two and a half years old. One male, one female. <clears throat> We also have a little yapper, a little tiny bitch of a Maltese, Maddie. She's about 10 years old now. I have no idea what these dogs identify as. So for the purposes of this story, we'll stick to what God gave them as the indicator for their gender. Um, the two-year-old lab, Bia, is in heat. Um, her brother's name is Apollo. He weighs in at about 110 pounds. You don't want to get between this dog and a piece of punani. Bia's in heat. We got to keep him separated because while I'd love to breed Bia, I don't want a litter of puppies that look like they just got back from the pet cemetery because I let her sleep with her brother. I could fix her brother, but I think he's happy with what God gave him, so we're going to leave it that way. Now, this task, this task of separation is not a difficult task early on in the game. Bia doesn't want anything to do with Apollo. She's like, mm, uh, not for you. Just, just, just get off me. Um, so as time wears on, this task, this task of separation becomes more difficult. Apollo is getting very excited. The full lipstick comes out. Oh, the dander goes up. And you can no longer just let the dogs out in the morning. Now, Apollo is not the only concern here anymore. Uh, the bitch's attitude has changed quite substantially from don't touch me there to hey, big boy, come on over and let's play a little game of hide the weenie. Um, this task, this task of separation is a challenge to say the least. Now, all of us, 
were continuously distressed that we let our guard down and the dogs were able to steal away for some alone time and a little of the old in and out, if you know what I mean. I'm always like, no, 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 no way, no way. They're under constant surveillance. We've been at DEFCON 4. I just don't see it happening. Then I look at Bia. She's over there interacting with Apollo. They're on the couch. She's crawling all over him like it's Saturday morning, and she met him at a bar last night. They went by Whataburger for taquitos and a breakfast on a bun ranchero and then made it back to his place. And now he's looking like, oh, geez, just get off me already. We've been at it all night. I bought you taquitos. I bought you the milkshake you wanted. I didn't realize this was an all-day commitment. I mean, it's nice you went for coffee and all this morning, but come on. He's looking at me like, mm, when's this chick going to leave? <coughs> I've asked her if she wants me to give her a ride back to her place twice now. You've been there before, guys, right? Ladies, don't bullshit me. You've been there before, too. You've had a guy that would not leave before. I know. You have. Anyway, we're all starting to have doubts. You start looking at Bia's belly. You start going, are her nipples swollen? Is her belly getting bigger? I'm not sure what's going on here. She gained weight. I mean, it's the next day. She should be showing, right? Now, in addition to all this, don't forget, I still have a Maltese, too. Y'all know how it is. All the bitches get on the same cycle. So Maddie, the Maltese, who ordinarily spends a lot of her time under our bed, in her comfort zone, behind the gate that separates the master bedroom from the rest of the house. I don't know why she likes it there, but she does. She stays back there. She only comes out for meals, only comes out to do her business, and she goes back under the bed, usually. Um, now, now that this is going on, she's all out on the town and shit. She's walking around like some tramp in an 80s dance club, got a Virginia Slim menthol in one hand, vodka tonic in the other one. She's walking around, short skirt, big hair, big earrings. Oh, my God. And she's 10, a little too old to be in the club. And she's in the wrong club. So, I mean, she's too small. She's like, Otis, my man. And the band turns around, the music stops, everybody looks, shamalama ding dong. <coughs> now, I don't want to get into the physics involved in um, a 110-pound Labrador and a six-pound Maltese, but I don't think it's workable. If you got to work that piece of physics out to get to Mars... I'd suggest you get happy with a base on the moon because I don't think it can happen. Um, Maddie's got bad cataracts, too. She's definitely not going to Mars. She's not going to the moon, but she knows where the large dog is. She's looking for him. Oi, oi, Poppy, come here, mijo. Oi, let me show you a good time, Poppy. It's disgusting. She literally wags her ass in the dog's face. I mean, come on. Oi, mijo, come under the bed with me. Oh, it's disgusting. She won't have anything to do with the other bitch either. Mean as a snake to be a. Can't be having that competition. Just like the bitches in the clubs in the 80s. 
I'm sorry. They're, they're snapping. They're barking. They're sniping. Thankfully, the physics never got worked out. Maddie went back into her safe space without any maltadors. Uh, our separation management plan seems to work because we have no signs of, of little ones coming from the flowers in the attic. Now, my neighbor, he's got a couple dogs, too, so he knows when Bia is in season. He loves my dogs, too. He's always watching over them. He's always um, um, just, they run around the yard, and he just loves it. I, I sit there and watch him watching sometime. He's very happy about it. But we've never tasked him with any separation management or anything. He's kind of a nice guy. He's moving anyway. He's actually already moved. Um, just a few days ago, I already met the new neighbors. Anywho, this is ordinarily no big deal. He's a nice guy, Eddie. His family's nice. We don't socialize, though, other than the occasional hidey-ho neighbor across the fence. Um, that's about it. But Eddie had his own little Audubon Society over there. It was like an aviary. He's got like 15 bird feeders with multiple levels, four bird baths, and two of those had jacuzzis in them. It was a fucking bird spa. Uh, Eddie didn't give a shit about the squirrels either. He had these low-lying feeders where the little squirrels could get to them, and they didn't even have to struggle for their sunflower seeds. Now, I don't know what Eddie's budget was for a bird seed, but it's probably less than my bourbon budget, so I'm trying to not judge. Um, now, Chris, you might be saying, sounds like the guy likes birds and squirrels. Uh, why are you being such a prick? Well, not trying to be a prick. Eddie's awesome. Love the split-level bird feeders. Love the bird koozie baths. But you got to understand, this guy has disrupted the ecosystem here at the fairways. He's fed the bears, so to speak. Now the bears have lost their primary food source. Now I go outside, and it sounds like a cross between a cocktail party and a scorned women support group meeting in my backyard with all these birds. Where are the bird feeders? Where's the jacuzzis? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, I don't know. Uh, these birds are, are they are all up in the trees. They're perched on the power lines. They're lined up on the wrought iron fence. They're just cackling. They're chirping. They're pecking about and looking for their food. The squirrels don't know what the fuck is going on. Those little guys, they've just been lazing about in the trees, teasing my dogs all summer, mm -hmm. not collecting no nuts. They don't have anything saved. They don't have anything buried. They're all screwed. I wrote Eddie a letter. I explained the situation to him. I said if I had to take on this responsibility, I was going to need some sort of seed stipend to maintain the aviary here at the fairways. I have not yet received a response. I've reached out to the Audubon Society and the local Squirrel Management Association crickets. Yeah. Yeah, I made the local Squirrel Management Association up. Um, I got to tell you, before I go, I figured out exactly how the government got their hands on the laptop from hell. We were discussing here in the Lingle household how stupid it was for Hunter to drop the laptop off at the repair shop. Why would he do such a thing? We've all asked ourselves this for, oh, what, three years now? Um, 
I'll tell you why. He didn't even know he was doing it. He was probably up all night partying, smoking crack, smoking a little rock. 6 a.m. Man, I got to get on the internet. I got to get on the internet. And he can't get on the internet. His laptop's fried. I've tried everything. I've rebooted. I've unplugged. I took another hit. Nothing. I got to get this thing to a repair shop. So I got to get online. I got to find a hooker to help me sleep. So into the repair shop with a laptop we go, and the rest, as they say, is history. That's going to do it for this episode of The Storm. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed getting it out there for you. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me along on your morning run, your commute, for your stogie on the back deck. Check out all the episodes on Rumble and Spotify. Search my name. You'll find it. Give us a rumble. Drop us a comment or three. But most importantly... Tell four friends to steer into the storm. Feel free to drop us an email with your thoughts at thestorm.chrislingle at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at The Storm with Chris Lingle. Until next episode, stay vigilant, my friends. Stay strong. I will see you next time in the storm.